The Daily Top is live for Wednesday. It is May 31st. We're going to talk about why the Brewers might be a bad baseball team, but it might not matter. We'll also talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo being one-on-one in the coach's decision, pushing very hard for Adrian Griffin. We knew that, but we know a little bit more. We'll get into that and why that matters and why it could mean he is here for the long term. We'll talk about the very interesting development with the San Diego Padres and Valley Sports and what it means for the Milwaukee Brewers as well as maybe the Milwaukee Bucks. There is a Rodgers thing I want to talk about. I had a larger Rodgers topic that I was going to do, and then I realized as I was typing it out, I'm like, okay, this is actually a full-on top-line segment, so we'll do that tomorrow, so stay tuned. Uh, If you are more a football fan, this probably isn't the podcast for you, but I'm telling you, it's the vibes. Let's chill out. Let's have a good one. Uh, you know where to find us on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We are doing the reviews again as posts on Instagram. Uh, I haven't done it for a long time. I'm going to be playing around with that. I will be honest with you. I've kind of neglected our Instagram page. Let me know what you want to see on the on it. Uh, might put a little story there. Would love some feedback and would love a few more follow, follows there. Uh, you know we're on TikTok. I think I already said TikTok, so I don't need to repeat myself. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you can get your podcasts. Uh, if you're already subscribed, you know what to do. Drop this in the group chat. Have some Brewers discussions with your friends. Uh, maybe the honest stuff uh, piques your interest or the Bally Sports stuff. I think the Bally Sports stuff is just as interesting and group chat worthy. So let's get into it and talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and why they might be a bad baseball team. The Milwaukee Brewers started out the season 14-5. and It was an awesome time to be on the ride, I guess, for the Milwaukee Brewers. It was a hot start that really I don't think any of us saw coming, right? This was a young Brewers team. This was a team that kind of lacked an identity that we didn't really know, are they going to be good? Are they going to be bad? Are they going to be something in between? And all of a sudden, after those 20-ish games, we're like, okay, the Brewers are good. Like, Brewers are a good baseball team. And they are a team that is going to contend for a playoff spot. And if, you know, they get a few more pieces or the young guys really develop, they might even flirt with a World Series contender. But then the bottom fell out. Injuries happened. Uh, the Brewers' young guys... Things got caught up, um, and it, it has all fallen apart in the month of May. It has not been a May to remember for the Milwaukee Brewers. As good as April was, as one of the best Aprils in all of franchise history, the Brewers have had an equally bad May. It's like having a like 3.6 or 3.7 in your first semester, and then that second semester, turning around and getting like a 2.3 or 2.5. I think we've all been there. For me, it was the inverse. Uh, My freshman year of college, I had a 2.3 out the gates and then I had a 3.6. I very much course corrected everything after that first semester. Uh, Football, football's a little more challenging with college more than you think. The Brewers have a 10 and 15 May record. If they were to lose tonight, it'd be 10 and 16 after an 18 and nine April. That's really bad. And there are more bad news. I, I guess there are a lot of bad things. I wouldn't even say on the horizon, 
but what we see with the stats when we dig into the month of May. It's, it's ugly. I mean, it tr truthfully, straight up, it is some really ugly stats for the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's not just the hitting. It's not just the pitching. It is everything. Everything is fucking gross. To add on to the 10 and 16 or, or 11 and 15 May, the Brewers are 14 and 21 since returning to that West Coast trip. When they got back from the West Coast trip to play the Red Sox that weekend, the Brewers have been 14 and 21 in those six weeks. That is not winning baseball. I said it on the review yesterday. You can watch it on tapping on any of the tapping the keg socials. They're playing bad baseball, and that rings true. Here's what the Brewers have done offensively in the month of May. They are 27th in OPS. They are 27th in runs. They are 28th in hits. They only have 30 extra base hits that aren't homers. They are dead last in doubles at 28. They are 12th in the category of home runs, which is probably keeping them afloat and winning them baseball games. They are 26th in walks, and they are 8th in strikeouts. That is ugly. That is absolutely bad baseball on the offensive side of the plate. And when you look at what the Brewers are offensively, they're only really missing Garrett Mitchell. Now, Garrett Mitchell was a key cog, and you could make the case that Garrett Mitchell might have had the biggest breakout out of the three, even like that's not, I think, revisionist history. I think we all saw it with Garrett Mitchell. We all saw the impact that Garrett Mitchell was having. And if the Brewers had the maid that they are having right now, Garrett Mitchell might be hitting second or third in this Brewers lineup right now, for all we know. But him not being there has halted some other things. Bryce Trang has struggled. Joey Weimer has struggled. Rye Telez has certainly taken a step back. Uh, Christian Yelich has been a bright spot. So has Owen Miller. Willie Adamas, you know, at, before the concussion, had been pretty terrible besides a few, few different spurts here and there. It's been a really ugly month for this offense. And there's really no excuse for it. You have, you, you have Mitchell, right? But everybody else is pretty much healthy. The Brewers can't figure out left-handers. Darren Ruff's out there. Mike Brousseau's out there. Those guys are doing absolutely nothing. Tyrone Taylor has come back to the organization and been pretty much a zero-sum player. So the Milwaukee Brewers need to figure something out offensively. They also need to figure out stuff pitching, and we'll get to that in a second. And that's a little more excusable. That's something you can talk about and say, well, there are reasons for this shit. The offense doesn't have those excuses. Now, is the offense pressing because of what the pitching staff is? Maybe. But at some point, you can't keep making that excuse. At some, time, at some point, you are what you are, right? And you might need to say, all right, we are just a bad team against left-handers. We need to play Rowdy Telez every day. Even though he's not great against left-handers, we need to try it because it's nothing else is working. We need to absolutely have the same lineup night in, night out until this all this figures out. Luis Urias coming back probably this weekend, I would imagine, is going to help the Brewers. It will at least provide a slight spark. I don't think Luis Urias is going to turn around the Brewers' offense. I don't think he's going to come out hot out the gates and we're going to be like, Luis Urias turned around the Brewers' season. But more production is needed from Brian Anderson, who's good against the Giants. He had a decent series, that, which was great. 
But there's more production needed from him too, which I, I didn't mention his name. William Contreras is starting to get hot. That's good. But it needs to be more consistent. The Brewers can't keep laying eggs. Contreras hits a home run tonight, and they do absolutely nothing the rest of the way. Yet they had base runners on. The Brewers did play really poorly in the first few innings of this game, but everything stuck at 7-2. The door was open for the Milwaukee Brewers to hit a home run, which they're good at. You know, they're, that, That's the one thing they're good at offensively. They hit a home run today, and it's 7-4, to four, or it's 7-5, to five, and all of a sudden it's a brand new baseball game. Just like we had in the Giant, the what the Giants did to the Brewers on Sunday Sunday afternoon. Why can't the Brewers do that? Why are the Brewers allergic to that big clutch hit that all of a sudden they put some pressure on? The Dodgers are really good at doing that. The Rays are really good baseball teams are good at doing that. I know the Rays have lost two straight, and the Braves have lost two straight to the Oakland Athletics of all teams. But still, besides that point, real ba- good baseball teams put pressure on those other teams. The Blue Jays, who are dead last in the AL East, are far and away better than Milwaukee Brewers right now. And the AL East is very challenging. The AL East is very tough. And that's part of the reason why they're in last place. But they put pressure. The Brewers don't put any pressure. They roll over and fucking die. That can't keep happening. I'm okay with making some excuses for the starting the pitching rotation and the bullpen. And we'll talk about that here in a second. I'm out of excuses for this offense. So if this is firing the hitting coach, if this is adjusting with what the hitting coach is dictating, I think they still have two hitting coaches right now, but they need to think about doing something different. They need to go back to the team they were in April. In April, they were doubles. They were you know, producing multiple big innings. They were doing a lot of the, the right things. Some of the little things that we didn't see from the Brewers all in 2022 and all in 2021. And a lot, why a lot of people were like, I'm buying in on the Brewers. And the, oh, we just had Garrett Mitchell excuse is not good enough. I'm sorry, it just isn't. And I understand that some of the young guys, Terang and Weimer specifically, a book gets out on you and you have to adjust. And that's part of the rookie learning curve. And that is the frustration with trusting rookies. Now, with Luis Urias coming up, I don't think Bryce Terang should be sent down. I don't think that's the move. I, I really would disagree with that. Honestly, the move is the DFA Brasso. Brasso is a zero-sum player. Brasso is supposed to hit lefties, and he's not fucking doing it. Get him off the goddamn roster. And if you're like, Charlie, it's it's June. Why are you this mad about the Brewers? We're two, week, two months into the season. I understand that... We can be upset about this and we, we, we can just take our time and lottie fucking die. But we're, we have 60 some games of sample here. We know what the Brewers are, are shaping out to be and what this month showed us. Now for the pitching. I think that's bad. Pitching's not really much better. They're 28th in ERA. They have allowed 43 home runs. 43 home runs. It is second most behind the Oakland Athletics, that pathetic baseball team. I understand they won two straight at 48 homers lap. They're 22 in strikeouts. They're 24th in whip. Teams are batting 263 against them. That is 26th, which is the fourth highest 
in all of baseball. Now, I can excuse some of the pitching because there's no Brandon Woodruff, there's no Wade Miley, there's no Eric Lauer. I know Eric Lauer struggled, but it's still a guy that's missing from this, this pitching staff. And I can, I can be a little more sympathetic to that. And I can, I can kind of understand why the struggles are happening with the pitching. But it goes back to the offense needing to be there and the offense needing to take responsibility and showing some leadership and showing some clutchness to them and picking up their pitching staff. When have the Milwaukee Brewers picked up their pitching staff this month? Can anyone spot me an example? I, I don't think it exists. They didn't do it on Sunday. Sunday, it was seven to one. The Milwaukee Brewers could have coasted to victory if Tyrone Taylor drives in a guy with the bases loaded. Brian Anderson had a moment where he could have drove guys in. Both failed. Then all of a sudden, three-run homer by Blake Sable. I think they got another run as well. And all of a sudden, it's 7-5. to five. And had Taylor and Anderson, or one of them, done their fucking job, the Brewers would have just been on easy street. You wouldn't have to use Devin Williams. You would have just relaxed your way into Toronto. Yet you had to bring sort of the intensity. It became a, a high leverage situation. Now, I think if you want to make sort of the other excuses and you want to say, okay, here's the, here's the other excuse to lob to you. They played the Los Angeles Dodgers, Tampa Bay Rays, Houston Astros, St. Louis Cardinals. They're struggling, but they're still very talented. San Francisco Giants twice, and the Toronto Blue Jays now. I understand that. But if you're a playoff team or you're a contender, you should, you should be able to be on that level. Look at the Baltimore Orioles, right? Baltimore Orioles have played some tough opponents, and they've hung with them. They've looked the part. Milwaukee Brewers sure as shit have not. And I, I was critical of that last Monday when they went and lost and got blown out again by the Houston Astros, which by the way, as an aside, the last three, they've lost the last four series openers. They've got blown out in two of the last three and three of the last five if you take the St. Louis. For some reason, they start the week and they're absolute shit. They're like the kid who has a cabin up north and he just gets hammered fucking drunk all weekend long and then he's a bag of shit on Monday. The Brewers have played like a bag of shit for basically the last three weeks. The Cardinals game was a disgrace. The Astros game wasn't much better. And this Blue Jays game, they were completely lost defensively. And I understand you had to get guys out there because you... You have nobody who can hit left-handers who actually plays on your normal defense. And you're missing Willie Adams and all this other stuff. Still, point remains. The Milwaukee Brewers have had a tough schedule, but it, it kind of proves that they're not on this level. They are not ready to compete at this level with this roster as it stands today. Now that can change, right? You get healthier. You may, may, maybe you'll make a trade. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, yeah, actually, we can hang with the big boys. But right now, they can't. The lights are too bright for this team. But it might not matter. It might not matter in the long run. So all I've done 
is shit on the Milwaukee Brewers for the last 16 minutes. Let them have it. Because I feel like I just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of watching bad baseball. I've been watching bad baseball now for a fucking month, it feels like. And I've had it. And the grace period is over, okay? But it might not matter. Because the NL Central is absolutely trash. The Brewers are still leading the Central. The Pirates got a win tonight. I think they're back to 500. Congratulations to the Pittsburgh Pirates. But the NL Central is complete and utter garbage. And this was something that before the season and the balance schedule, we talked about potentially being a real ramification. The Brewers are one game up on the Pirates, who are 27 and 27. The Cincinnati Reds are three games back. The Reds, who were not supposed to be very good this year, are 25 and 29, three games back. The Cubs are 24 and 30, four games back. The Cardinals are 25 and 32 in last place, but four and a half games back and a plus seven run differential. The Cubs, by the way, have a plus six run differential. We didn't even get into the run differential stuff with the Brewers, but they're minus 26. A lot of that has to do with the blowouts that have been occurring. I I will say it's a grain of salt, even if this is a bad baseball team. The Brewers still can hang on and still sort of, you know, just be in the weeds. They could be sub 500 heading into July and still be in the mix. Now, there will then be a discussion about selling, whether they should or shouldn't, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. The Brewers have an opportunity to get hot at some point and separate themselves from this NL Central. I think that is the frustrating part of it. Even though it doesn't matter because the way the NL Central is, and it might only take 85 wins to win this division, it's still maddening that the Milwaukee Brewers didn't separate themselves at all. Even if the Brewers just just played 500, right? So they're 10 and 16 and 26 games. Even if they're 13 and 13 right now, that would mean that the Brewers have, let's see, three more wins. So they'd be at 31, three less losses because they're at 10 and, oh no, they're 10 and 15. I guess I'm already counting the loss to, uh, to, the, to the Blue Jays today. Uh, so they'd have two less losses. They'd have three more wins. So they would be 24. They would be 31 and 24 which would be kind of on par with the division leaders. Dodgers are 34 and 22. The Braves are 32 and 23. So that'd be right on par with everybody else. And be a little more respectable. And you'd be like, all right, well, maintained, really tough schedule. You had some bright spots here, but it, you know, and you've and you've separated yourself. I mean, at that point, the Brewers would be three games up on the Pirates and, and then so on. We don't have to go through it all again. So the Brewers failed to take advantage, but again, it, it might be meaningless. It, you, you might look at this and say, Charlie, you're getting mad for nothing because the NL Central isn't that good. But I do think if the Brewers do get hot in June, let's just say, or July or August, and another team is gotten hot, another team is competing, you're going to look back at May. You're going to look back at June if June is a struggle too. And say, if they would have just maintained and just would have held their water, they would have been okay. 
And yeah, there are bright spots, right? Owen Miller has been great. Uh, Christianology, I think, has been impressive. Devin Williams, Joel Pianis, and until tonight, Adrian Hauser. But it still doesn't, it's still, the stats are the stats. The number, the data is the data. The data tells you the Brewers have been a bad baseball team for a while, even if it doesn't matter that much because the NL Central is a complete tire fire. Now the Brewers look ahead to June. And guess what? They have the Reds this weekend. I'll be there on Saturday. They, they are not playing bad baseball right now. The Reds are are playing, are merging here a little bit. There's rumors they might bring up Ellie De La Cruz. They're in this interesting sort of period where they could potentially take a step that they didn't see coming, that they were they felt like were a year away from. The time might be now for the Cincinnati Reds with all their young talent. And on top of that, then the Brewers go back home to play another AL East team, their third in the last three weeks, four weeks with the Orioles. Then you get the A's, which is nice, but then you face a Pirates team who's pitching well, even though they can't really score. The same goes for the Minnesota Twins. There's no real easy stretch. It doesn't really exist. And maybe if the Reds are playing above water, you do play them 10 times in six weeks. So maybe you take advantage there. And if you are a serious baseball team, I, I think you win seven, seven out of those 10 games. And you really sort of make your imprint. There is opportunity playing your division in the next few weeks to sort of make that case. You can't stumble in those games. That to me, I think is the biggest thing you should take away from this 20 minutes of a lashing for the Brewers. They have to do work against the NL Central. They did not face, they barely played the NL Central in the month of May, besides the Cardinals. And they lost two out of three. And you saw what happened. They might not be a good team outside of the NL Central. But because the NL Central isn't very good, it might not matter in the long run. But improvements are needed. And I'll be very thankful when the month of May is over for the Milwaukee Brewers. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, more news came out about Giannis Antetokounmpo and his involvement with the Milwaukee Bucks coaching search. Uh, Shams Sharania reported that Giannis Antetokounmpo had one-on-ones with all of the coaches, and Giannis basically stood on the table for Adrian Griffin, said that Adrian Griffin was the guy that he wanted to coach the team. Now, this is very unique. I don't recall a star player having a one-on-one with all of the coaches. Zach Lowe complimented the Milwaukee Bucks for their handling of the coaching search, that they met everybody in person, that there was no Zoom calls, that it was very professional and buttoned up, which was a great insight from Zach as some have pointed out the reporting locally has not been great on this topic Uh, they really have not done what I think journalism should do here locally especially what we get out of the Packers and we get out of the Brewers coverage the Bucks even though they won the championship most recently it's been severely lacking and that said You know, it's really good to hear that Giannis had such an involvement, that this mattered to Antetokounmpo so much. I think that it tells you Giannis Antetokounmpo is here for the long run, that Giannis Antetokounmpo 
sees Adrian Griffin as sort of the next era for him. Uh, we love talking about our eras these days. Gen Z has coined it. I think Taylor Swift has a lot to do with it and her tour. But this is obviously another era for Antetokounmpo. This is the Adrian Griffin era. Some people have called it the villain era for Giannis, just given some of his social media commentary after the season was over. Whatever it may be, Antetokounmpo is going to work his ass off for Griffin. I said that on yesterday's show. I feel it even more now. I think Giannis is going to try to work with John Horst, try to talk to Griffin about the type of guys that would work perfectly in his system. I think Giannis providing direct feedback to Griffin on what's working and what's not is going to be very helpful. We rarely see player-coach relationships in the NBA. I don't think it's that common. I think the only ones that come to mind, the only one, honestly, that really comes to mind is Curry and Steve Kerr. And I'm not putting Adrian Griffin and Giannis in that category just yet. But that, to me, is one of the most effective coach-player relationships where I really feel like it was a two-way street. I feel like Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan had a relationship. But at the end of the day, Pop was still the big dick in the Cracker Factory. Michael, same goes with Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson, right? I think Phil and Kobe, I think you could make a case that Phil, Kobe, and Shaq, now that was more of a triage or a thruple, if you will. Uh, that to me, I think you could you could make the case that they had that close-knit relationship. Uh, Eric Spolstra and LeBron, I felt like had a little bit of that. Now, I still think at the end of the day, Spo was the guy, but I feel like Spo is the only guy that really had a more of a player coach relationship with LeBron and LeBron ran over everybody else besides Darvin Ham. I think Darvin Ham actually kind of showed himself as a coach and not just LeBron's lackey. I think Mike Brown did that. I think Ty Lue did that in a, in a sense. I think David Blatt for sure tried to not do it and LeBron wasn't having it at all. So I I think that there are examples, I guess, more than I thought that there were, but it's it's it might be the one that's the closest to that Curry-Kerr relationship where it's a two-way street. And I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited for the future. And it, it means that Giannis is staying. I, it, it does. I will plant my flag. It's May 23rd, 2023. We have two years left before Giannis has to decide on this player option. I will tell you right now, Antetokounmpo is staying. Unless things go horribly wrong with Griffin, unless the organization makes moves that Antetokounmpo cannot understand, and let me tell you, it is a very complicated CBA that I recommend every single Bucks fan, even if you're not a big Bill Simmons guy or Ryan Rosillo guy, Listen to their podcast on the CBA. It is so informative. It will make you so much smarter. We are we are going to share our knowledge. Mitch and I both listen. We're going to share our knowledge next week. We're not doing a podcast this week because Mitch and I just didn't work with my trip to Louisville. Um, and I apologize for that. But I, I think next week we're going to really kind of dig into what the Bucks realistically can do with their roster. Because it's not necessarily 
going to be that easy. Uh, spoiler alert, one of the core four is probably not going to be there next year. We'll, we'll save that for next week. But as long as Giannis in this new era of Bucks basketball can find a way to continue to contend for championships, as, as it's been said many a times by Ansa Gumbo and others, winning a championship is really fucking hard. It's not easy. And But I still think there is a path through for the Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics fans were saying the exact same thing I was yesterday and last week where they were like, hey, we still could be the best team in, this, in the NBA East. The East is still up for grabs. There is not the influx of young talent in the East. There's an influx of young talent in the West. And Denver, while looks great, have had some significant injury issues. At some point, I do think Jokic is going to get figured out. Maybe not. Maybe he's a unicorn and he will never get figured out. But I, I do wonder, you know, is this Denver thing going to be sustainable? Or is this a one-year sort of dream run? I already saw a TikTok where, like, Denver got lucky. It's like, no, man, that's the fucking, that's how playoffs work. That's why a championship, you need luck. Every championship team has had luck. Luck has gone their way. I promise you that. I cannot emphasize that enough. The Eagle, the Chiefs had Kadarius Tony get the punt return. If he doesn't get that punt return, who knows, right? And may, I'd argue the Bengals were maybe a tougher matchup for the Chiefs, but who knows, right? And and they and the, the you know Mahomes being able to come back from his injury and and everything like that. I there are always examples of teams getting sort of lucky per se, but. I, I do want to go back to the Antetokounmpo part and just say, I think that this is the start of this new era and what this looks like. And there's going to be a lot that happens. There are going to be a lot of moving pieces. Griffin is, I'm sure, going to talk with John Horst and say, here's what works for my system. Here's what, what doesn't. I think it's really important that Griffin gets guys who are former coaches, I would love Frank Vogel or Steven Silas. I think either would be a great add as a top assistant who have head coaching experience, who can at least provide some insight and some guidance. I don't think Mike D'Antoni and Griffin have ever worked together, but I, if Mike D'Antoni still wants to be an assistant coach, God bless him. Like I would take Mike D'Antoni from an offensive prowess perspective. Griffin is known for being a defensive guy, but if you read Eric Kareen's profile, which is great on The Athletic, uh, he does both. He's done both. And we'll see. I mean, I also think, you know, picking guys off from the Oklahoma City staff. Oklahoma City has done, did amazing last year. Get some of those guys. I mean, it'll be very interesting to see what Griffin develops from a assistant coaching perspective, who he state, keeps with the Bucks. Staff, does Charles Lee stay? Detroit still needs a coach. Charles Lee was considered. Maybe Charles Lee goes there. Or maybe Charles Lee is waiting to see if Bud gets a job. At this point, it seems unlikely that Bud's going to get a job. He's probably going to take a year off, enjoy the millions that he has, and get back into it and be a very hot name next year around. But yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely the start of a new dawn for the Bucks. And I, I don't mean that in that it would, it, yeah, it ended poorly, but 
this this is a welcome change. And I don't think there is buyer's remorse. I've heard a few people say that. I, I just don't agree with that. I think that the more you dig into Griffin, the more you see how collaborative Antetokounmpo wanted to be, I don't exactly think that's where the Bucks were. And I think maybe that caused a little more friction than it was being let on. Remember, Bobby Portis, a few weeks ago, said people discounted how much Darvin Ham meant to this team. He said it a different way. I'm paraphrasing his tweet. But that alone tells me a lot about maybe the relationship that Mike Boonholzer had with his guys. That Darvin Ham was the good cop, Bud was the bad cop, and they could go to Darvin Ham and they could give their feedback and it would be listened to because Bud respected Darvin Ham. And because he's younger, and it's no disrespect to Charles Lee, but maybe Charles Lee was a little more of a yes man. And maybe the feedback was not received. And that led to some underlying friction. Remember, there was also some commentary back in, I think it was January of this year, that the Bucks were having some weird chemistry issues. Now, from what I understood, that was because Giannis was frustrated with you know, how Chris was handling training and that Chris wasn't exactly serious about it now. I think it's been, statute of limitations have been far from saying that, um, but at, that was sort of, the, that was sort of the, the commentary back then. Now, I don't know if there were some butt issues too, but maybe, and, and I know that this is all speculative, but if Giannis Antetokounmpo wanted to meet one-on-one with the new head coach, whether it was Griffin, Nurse, or Atkinson. Plus, it's a, a dinner with John Horst and the owners. This man is making a commitment. It's, it goes beyond next year. It's the new era of Bucks basketball. And we have to be excited for it. Even if you're not a huge Griffin guy, this should excite you at how involved Antetokounmpo is. You've not heard that story about Joel Embiid, not heard that story about Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. They're beating cheeks in Mexico while our guys taking meetings in Milwaukee. All right, let's wrap up today's show uh, with an interesting story out of San Diego. Uh, Shout out to my guys at Divine Sports Gospel. Uh, They do great work if you don't follow them. They were on Barstool Baseball last week, which is really cool for them. Uh, We came internet friends a little while ago um, and they just do great work. I'm always impressed with what they do. Uh, I learned from them a lot. Uh, you know, they're a little younger than me. So they definitely show me the rope sometimes uh, and just make sure that this old dog sometimes can pull some new tricks off his sleep. But anyways, uh, the reason why we're talking about San Diego is not because the Padres won tonight. It's because that their games starting tonight will be broadcasts on broadcasted on MLB TV and MLB TV, the MLB itself has reached agreements with all the cable providers. They have also reached agreement with FUBU, FUBO, FUBO, not FUBU, FUBO TV uh, and a couple of the streaming services as well as having a standalone package, a single use subscriber where they can pay $20 a month to watch the Padres as long as they're in the San Diego market. One thing that's an interesting stipulation is those who have already paid for the MLB TV package 
who are in the San Diego market still are getting blacked out. I think that's a rule that the league will have to finesse and think about going forward. But I give baseball a ton of credit for thinking on the fly. We ripped baseball to shreds last Friday Friday uh, podcast, and now I'm, I'm praising them because they deserve it. They figured this all out. Now, they might have expected this was coming, so they might have been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work. But baseball has now created a model for everybody else to follow. Now, the Phoenix Suns are going to be doing it for free. I believe the Vegas Knights are going to be doing something similar as well to expand their reach of their audience. Now, I don't know if all ownership can soldier that, and they're going to need that money. They're going to need that TV money. But baseball has given sort of the pathway through, not only for their sport, but also for the NBA. I think what they've done is pretty savvy, and I think it makes a lot of sense, and it looks like the future of RSNs. Baseball's covering the costs. Baseball's figuring out, all right, we're going to make money off of this. I'm assuming that part of that $20 buy-in is going to go to the team. I imagine that the team will see that revenue share. I also would imagine that they're going to get paid back what Diamond Sports owes them. I have to think that that is something that Diamond Sports Group is going to pay them back, right? You have to imagine the Padres will go to court for that. Uh, No way will, even though Peter Salar has a ton of fucking money, there is no way that he is going to just say, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with losing. I think it's like $600 million. It's a lot of money. That might not be that much. It's probably like, it's... 50 or 60, it might, I might have added a zero where I shouldn't have. I apologize. Regardless, he's going to get his fucking money. Like, just straight up. Like, that. that's happening. That man will get his money, okay? But the, the part of it with baseball now is this is a trial run. There's other teams that might have a similar issue. Baseball can go to the Reds. Baseball can go to the Guardians. The D-backs are all teams that I believe are in this same sort of group that are in trouble. And they can say to those cable providers, hey, we did this deal in San Diego. Can we do this in Arizona? Can we do this in Cleveland? Hey, what about, and and also put more pressure on YouTube TV and Sling, who aren't carrying it. YouTube TV, by the way, doesn't have the MLB network due to a a dispute as well. There will be a ton of pressure on YouTube TV to get this done. I would remind YouTube TV, not that they're listening to this podcast, but that baseball fans are football fans. And if you tune people out in baseball, how do you know they're going to come back for football on the Sunday ticket? You, you don't, really. And everybody is pinching money. Inflation's obviously tough on all Americans. So people are going to look to invest their dollars elsewhere. Like, I, I think the one scary thing, if you're a sports fan that has two teams like we do in Milwaukee or a team that has maybe three. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example for three. Well, we'd say, I guess we do Arizona. Well, no, Phoenix has their own package now. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think who would be a good example. Maybe Dallas, right? Dallas would be a good one. There you go. Uh, We have the Rangers, uh, Texas Rangers with the Dallas Stars with the Dallas Mavericks. That's a great example. So if you're paying $20 a month from each network, the NHL, the MLB, and the NBA, 
that's $60. And YouTube TV is not going to cover that. That that feels like a miss. That's basically a YouTube TV subscription. It's a little more than that now. But that's basically a YouTube TV subscription for the three teams you have. That makes a case to go back to cable, which I think we're all heading to in the long run in some weird way. It's a long, larger, big picture philosophical discussion about how we have too many streamers and how there will be packages sooner rather than later where you have the entertainment package and it's Netflix, Max, formerly HBO Max, and Amazon. And it's all lumped together for $30 a month or something like that. I don't know. Just throwing numbers at the wall. But there will be more mergers. There, it, it's, it is still the wild, wild west out there. So how do these sports teams come together and create their own network? Do they do it as a standalone thing? Do they get savvy enough where they allow teams out of market to buy these packages? Padres fans in Milwaukee would probably love to buy this. Now they have to buy the full MLTV, MLB TV, but how do you think about it and kind of skirt it a little bit? That's the type of things that I think are the next iteration. I think this is a walk, walk then run. And the Padres are going to be a test case. There's going to be hiccups. It's not going to be a, a complete just solve everything. I mean, uh, our guys we mentioned earlier mentioned that they're, they cut out at commercial for a, a large Trent Grisham at bat in the seventh inning. But I, I, I do think that this is the future of RSN television. And it will be very fascinating to watch from afar. Uh, Bally Sports Wisconsin, there's no real notice that they're in real trouble and they're swimming. They're obviously declared bankruptcy, but they're not in that group of, of teams that's in real trouble. So I don't think this is coming to us soon. But I will say, I will say, if you need any advice, the last thing I will leave you with is if you have a parent who has cable, get their login and just use their cable to log into your Bally Sports. And same goes if you're in San Diego. Problem solved. I've solved your problem. There you go. Because the old still have cable, and God bless my dad for it, because that's how I am able to not have to pay whatever Bally Plus, I think it's 20 bucks a month. I don't have to pay 20 bucks a month for Bally Plus. I can pay a flat fee. That's also another thing. I will. I wonder. We talked about the sixty dollars for three teams. I do wonder if these teams will come together in some format and say, "Okay, you're in the Dallas area. We are going to offer you the Dallas package, and it's going to be fifty dollars a month, or it's going to be forty dollars a month, or they're going to find a way." But I don't know. Then how does that work from a rev share perspective? Probably doesn't work. So I don't know, it's it's so new, it's so fresh, but I want to talk about it because I know how contentious Bally Sports is. I know how everyone wants sort of a, a change and not, and I would, I'd argue not a ton is changing besides the single use supported by MLB TV, which is great. And MLB TV has been around forever. Same with uh, League Pass for the NBA. Same, I think Center Ice is the NHL one, same with that. Like those have been around for so long, they know what the fuck they're doing and they add a level of trust. So I think that's the thing that changes is the level of trust 
goes up and that you have that ability. But until it gets to YouTube TV, until it gets to Sling and Hulu Live, like I think you're still you're still a step away. I think ESPN, Disney are having a ton of fucking issues right now. If I'm Bob Iger, I am getting on the phone about Hulu Live and getting the Padres on Hulu Live. That is a first step because if they can reach an agreement with baseball to say, we are gonna carry all these RSN feeds, if you will, on Hulu Live going forward, that is a major, major chess piece move for Iger and Hulu and ESPN. And ESPN already does baseball games on ESPN+. Plus. You could, you could maybe, there's some buy-in there. I don't know. But I, I really do wonder if that is a move Iger's going to try to make. Maybe it's a year away, two years away, who knows. But this, this is exciting. This is a big step forward. And I'm very fascinated to see how it works. Very fascinated to see if the Bucks or Brewers get involved. I also would not be surprised. I'll just leave you here. I have no knowledge of this. This is just me pontificating if the Bucks try to do their own thing. I would not be surprised. Uh, you know, Wes, Wes Edens has a lot of money. He's a smart guy. Uh, Jimmy Haslam has a lot of money. Smart guy, kind of. Not not maybe as much as Wes Edens. I do wonder, would they try to do their own thing? Would they go the route of Ishbia? Uh, Mark Cuban, you know, asked how people are watching the game yesterday and he got called an arc. Uh, but I think it was a, honestly, a test for Cuban to see who is watching where and what could be done. And I would imagine that the Mavericks, we talked about, we used Dallas as an example, but the Mavericks could do their own thing. Would not shock me in the slightest. We'll have to see. It is going to get very interested on this topic. The only other thing I was going to mention, uh, I told Murph I was going to do a Rodgers thing on Taylor. Murph wondered why we didn't do anything on Rodgers and Taylor Swift. Uh, I will leave you with this. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' off-field activities do not matter anymore. No one cares. I do not care. I don't think our local media should care. Aaron Rodgers in that realm is sort of dead to me. I care more about what Jordan Love, I think I said this a little bit on yesterday's show, so I'll repeat it for the people. What Jordan Love does, that's what matters. Jordan Love bonding with his teammates, that's cool. Um, Rodgers at Taylor Swift does nothing for me. That's a Jets topic, not a Packers topic. When Rodgers, you know, is on the field and it's week one, I forget who they play. Who did they play? They, did they play the Giants? No, Bills. Bills week one. Like after that game, on that Tuesday, because it's a Monday night game for Rodgers, Rodgers will lead Tuesday's show, I guarantee you, okay? But until that happens, we're not going to worry about number eight now, all right? So we'll leave it there. All right, take care. Have a good one. Uh, back tomorrow, uh, like I said, I do actually have a Rodgers topic uh, involving Jordan Love, wide receivers, and LeBron James. I'll explain that tomorrow. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Bruce. See you. Maybe they can go 11-15, not 10-16. Sounds better, weirdly, uh, if they can do that. Um, and yeah, see what else uh, comes across the wire. We will have a Friday show. Um, even though I won't be here, we're going to do something fun for Friday. Um, an idea sprung from the Tabby the Cat group chat. Uh, and a reminder to drop this into your group chats. All right. Take care. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Or not next week. We'll see you uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's obviously late. I got to go to bed.
All right. See you. Bye.